powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. This is Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports. Streaming through the Seattle Sports app. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Here we go now. He is the national recruiting editor for 24-7 Sports. Brandon Huffman joining us now on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Brandon, my first question is about my own alma mater because I have no idea what they're going to do and what they're going to look like. Washington has lost a ton of players. We know they've since added a few. What can you tell me about some of the incoming names that most intrigue you? Well, you know, it's interesting because the names that I would have told you in December and the names I'll tell you in February are vastly different. Out are some of their key signees. From the 2024 class, Radamanu Buzobalzo uh, signing with USC today. He announced yesterday that he was going to commit to the Trojans. And then Drew Carter, who I'm sorry, Noah Carter, who was their number one rated recruit, ended up flipping to Alabama. He yes, out of his NLI shortly after Kalen DeBoer left. But all is not lost. The Huskies ended up with a couple of players that signed with Arizona. DeMond Williams, who was originally an Ole Miss commit, an in-state kid who signed with Arizona, an All-American quarterback. He announced that he went into the portal, and he's going to Washington. DeMarcus Davis is staying with Washington. So they held on to a lot of guys. But there will be some intrigue this afternoon with Sean Clark, who is the Seattle Garfield prospect, who actually signed with Arizona in December will be announcing between whether he sticks with Arizona or flips to Washington. And there's a lot of signs pointing that he stays home when it's all said and done. And he'd be the only in-state commit in signing for the Huskies in 2024. Hey, Huff, obviously uh, Fish is the new guy over there on Montlake. And his reputation is that he is a great recruiter. I mean, how are we going to see that? I feel like it's going to be tough for us to really see it this year because of just the timing of everything. Um, how many years do you feel like until we start to see the effects of a uh, coach fish and his, uh, his recruiting process? Well, yeah, I think if you look back at say like a Kalen DeBoer's first class in, in 2022, there was a couple of players that he was able to hold on to that were part of the Jimmy Lake class, but you really don't see a bump in a recruiting class until the first full cycle when the coaches had. Now the, the downside of that is with so many coaching changes made in November and then in December, those coaches have all of December to really get to FaceTime with the following class and then all of the spring. So while Arizona, you know, loses Jed Fish and he comes to Washington, it happens in mid-January. So he's spending that whole time trying to keep the players that want to transfer out, keep the guys that he wants to keep be a part of the class that he signed at Arizona to come to Washington. He didn't really get to use January to get out and get visible with the 25 classes. So you may see it in 2025, but I would say given the the lateness of his hiring, it may not be until 2026 to really start to see the the long-term impact of Fish at Washington. Uh, Do you think that his approach of trying to sell Washington as an NFL program is going to work for recruits? I'm looking at the list of that you reposted on X.com of where uh, 32 five-star recruits have gone. Obviously, none going to Washington, but Oregon's got a few. So you've got the Georgias of the world that are just by nature of their reputation and success. And then a couple other programs that find their own way to recruit them. Does pitching yourself as like, we have NFL coaches. Do you think that'll work with recruits? It will, because recruits only know what they know, and that's what they know right now. And the reality is, even though Kalen DeBoer took him to a national championship game in, what, four weeks ago, and he's now in Tuscaloosa, the helmets on the side, of the, the, the logo on the side of those helmets was a W, and that was Washington. So whether it's Jed Fish coaching him, whether it's Kalen DeBoer coaching him, it's Washington that's going to have a number of players get drafted in April. It's Washington that's going to have double-digit guys at the combine. So he has to sell that, because really – 
he's only got one year to sell as a bowl team at Arizona. You know, they had a great season in 2023, a 10-win season, but they didn't go to a bowl those first two years. So as he's establishing a culture and establishing a program, he's got to sell the history and the roots of Washington more than he can sell what Jed Fish has done at Washington because there is no track record of that. And even his head coaching time wasn't overly successful. So you've got to really dip into this is what the university has done. Watch the senior bowl, watch the combine. You're going to see a lot of Washington products do that. And that's what this university can do. Hey, Huff, I was looking at uh, 247sports.com before we hopped on with you. And I'm looking at Oregon and they're uh, they're leading the recruiting uh, race when it comes to the Big Ten. Um, how impressive is it what they're doing? I mean, obviously, Oregon's always going to be able to recruit right facilities and, and resources and whatnot. But to make that jump to a new conference and, and to be leading that conference when it comes to the recruiting process, um, what does that say about that program? Well, I'm going to address the one elephant in the room that always seems to exist, that the only reason that Oregon is doing as well as they are is because of NIL. No, it goes back to what I said two minutes ago. Recruits know what they know, and what they've known over the last decade and 12 years is that Oregon has been a brand that is putting players into the NFL. It's competing for conference championships. It's won Rose Bowls. It's been to the playoffs. I mean, like Washington, it went to a national championship game. And, you know, Bump, you're from Southern California. You you grew up in an era where where Pete Carroll had USC cooking. And for the first eight, nine years, this is my 21st signing day. The first eight, nine years of my job, all kids talked about was, I want to go to USC. I grew up watching USC. Reggie Bush is my favorite player. Well, over the last decade, it's now been – well, I grew up watching Oregon. I love DeAnthony Thomas. I love Marcus Mariota. And Oregon has been the team out west that's been the most consistent over the last decade to 12 years. So it's not a surprise that they're recruiting as well as they are. Where they have raised the game is how well they've recruited on a national scale. And I think that's the biggest difference from when you go back to the Mike Bellotti years to the Chip Kelly years and Mark Helfrich that – Willie Taggart started to recruit a little bit more nationally. Mario Cristobal really took it up a notch, but then Dan Lanning brought an SEC-style approach to recruiting the big bodies up front, getting those kids from the West Coast but going national. And I think Oregon has really established itself as a national brand, and that's why they have the highest-rated class in the Big Ten. It would have been, It's the highest-rated class they've ever had. It would have obviously been the top class in the Pac-12, but there's a reason it's the number three class overall. It's the national appeal, the national drive. I believe they have seven players that are ranked number one in their respective states that signed with Oregon in 2024. That's what you do when you're a national brand. We're talking with Brandon Huffman, who's with 24-7 Sports. And um, Brandon, just out of curiosity, I'm glad that you mentioned that the first like eight years uh, of you covering this was almost exclusively USC and Pete Carroll, because it also highlights um, that you've seen quite a bit of evolution when it comes to recruiting, when it comes to college football. What's one of the biggest changes you've seen in terms of recruiting? I think it's certainly the portal, and I know that's an easy answer to say, but you know, it used to be that guys would, would sign with the school and you would only transfer as an absolute last resort. That means you weren't on the depth chart at any point. You weren't going to try to, you know, even stick it out. You just wanted to go somewhere and play. Well, now guys are playing right away and they're still going into the portal. That there really isn't any kind of rhyme or reason why you pick a school other than, hey, maybe this NIL package is the best. It's no longer about the depth chart, just the portal with NIL, but guys are now looking for the short-term rather than the long-term. Hey, if it doesn't work out here after a year, I can transfer. And now that there's seemingly unlimited transfers, guys can go to another school. 
after three years. He used to say that the day after Sunday was national unfollow recruits on Twitter day. Well, now you can't because you got to cover these guys second, third, and like JT Daniels got to cover their fourth recruitment. So the, the portal has allowed recruiting to be really what it feels like a one-year transactional thing rather than a four- or five-year long-term play. And so I think with, with the portal kind of coming into play in 2017, right around when the early signing period evolved, and then you throw at NIL, the portal was really what started to kind of open the floodgates. Yeah, it's um, it's a different world out there, man. And, you know, I did uh, – I praised Oregon with uh, what they're doing. But there's one team that left the Pac-12 that's going to the Big Ten that I'm worried about, Huff. And I'm looking at UCLA. You got uh, 10 commits right now, only a couple four-stars. What's going on with the Bruins? And uh, how tough is it going to be if they can't get some more top names out there? Well, I think, Bob, you looking at UCLA makes about 11 total football players that are looking at UCLA, and that's kind of <laughs> how re- recruiting has gone. And it certainly doesn't help that for the last week to 10 days, all we've been reading about is Chip Kelly interviewing for this offense coordinator job, Chip Kelly interviewing for that offense coordinator job. So for a guy who is essentially, you know, hated recruiting since he was at Oregon, which is ironic because in consecutive years he landed the number one player in, in the West in Anthony Thomas and Eric Armstead. But for a guy who essentially has sworn off recruiting and gone all in on the transfer portal and then seen the portal essentially blow up in his face, it, it's clearly showing that whatever model he's trying to do isn't working, but yet there's no pivot to it. There's no attempt for him to try to say, hey, you know what, let's make up for it by starting to offer more recruits. They've offered the least amount of recruits in the 2024 class in the Big Ten. They've already offered the least amount of recruits in 2025 going into the Big Ten. The only school that had a recruiting class in the Big Ten was Northwestern, and they had an interim coach for much of the year that they didn't know if he was going to become the head coach. So with Chip Kelly essentially saying recruiting is not something I'm going to do, we'll try the portal, we have no NIL money, UCLA is on track to become Maryland when they get to the Big Ten, but the West Coast version of it, of a school that doesn't fit the, the footprint, but then isn't trying to do anything to become relevant in the conference unless there's a head coaching change. Washington very interested in becoming very relevant in that conference. And in theory, like we talked about to start the interview, they have the track record for this past season, but all of those players pretty much are now moving on. We've unfortunately seen quite a few players enter the transfer portal in addition to obviously entering the draft. Um, any incoming players in the transfer portal that you have your eye on? Yeah, well, obviously with DeMond Williams, that was a big get for Arizona because it gives them some more quarterback depth. Holding on to Marcus Davis was big, but DeMond Williams was an All-American, was a three-year starter at Basha High School in Chandler, won a state championship. So I guess he theoretically is in the portal because he had enrolled. But in terms of a player who's actually done stuff in Arizona, I, I like what they've got with the Fusions Price Sock, a uh, former four-star kid out of Southern California who's been phenomenal at Arizona the two years he was there. And then Jonah Coleman, the running back that yeah. also trained transferred from Arizona. Uh, he was a guy that, you know, you look at him and he, he's not the most, he doesn't necessarily wow you with this size. He's a little bit on the shorter side, a little bit thicker, but man, the guy can run downhill. And he kind of when he took over a good chunk of the, the number two carries at Arizona to go with Michael Wiley, the offense really took off. So those two are obviously big additions because of the Arizona connection, but obviously you, you can't ignore what Will Rogers brings to the table. This is a guy that lit it up playing for Mike Leach was stuck in an offense with the, 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 the tragic passing of Mike Leach and the handing it off to Zach Arnett. He wanted to just hand the ball off. And so Will Rogers really was stunted. So this guy is ready to get turned loose. 
and throw the ball. So that gives them a, a guy that can come in and play right away while you have two freshman quarterbacks losing the depth that Washington lost. Those two freshman quarterbacks are crucial, but they may not be ready to make it into the Big Ten just yet. So Will Rogers alleviates a lot of the stress that Jed Fish would have uh, with an, a roster he's already having to reshape. I think he's obviously the, the clear headliner there. It's crazy, Huff. People don't know this about us, but you recruited me in 2004. You were uh, you starting your gig over there with 24-7 Sports, and I'm I'm looking at your list, and it says five-star recruits in the class of 2024, and I just went had some flashbacks, man. I go, me and Huff been at this for a minute, dude. Um, but I want to focus on Texas A&M. I, I look at NIL money and the resources that they have, and they're one of the, if not the richest university in all the land when it comes to um, this NIL deal. Are you surprised that they're not getting the five stars um, that uh, a place like Georgia and, and Alabama are getting because they can offer all this money? What does that say? Do, should we give these recruits a bit more credit? Yeah, they want the money, but they also want to go to where they know they're going to win. Bump, we've been doing this so long that Texas A&M was in the Big 12 back when I first started doing <laughs> right. this. With, with that. And they've been in the SEC for, for 12 years now, and they recruited like an SEC school for a good chunk of it. Remember, in 2022, they signed on record the highest-rated class in 24-7 sports history based on the, the total points and the caliber of commit. But it was one of those schools that it looked like a clear outlier. Were guys going there to be developed by Jimbo Fisher, or were guys going there because Texas A&M was willingly and very boldly throwing around the NIL package, not just the package, but they were marketing the fact that they were NIL heavy. Well, then slowly but surely, they started to lose key players that signed in that class. Evan Stewart, Walter Nolan, uh, Anthony Lucas. Walter Nolan transfers to Ole Miss and he puts out a tweet, what, two weeks ago saying, hey, recruits the Texas a and make sure you read all the way through that NIL contract. So when you don't have a lot of substance to sell, remember when Jimbo Fisher got there, he came in with so much fanfare. He kept getting extensions. They had the great season in the COVID year, and that kind of led to the great 2022 class. But the problem was it was a house of cards. It was so heavily based on NIL rather than finding fits and guys that really fit into what Texas A&M wanted to do. And now you see their class even holding on to Terry Bussey, who's the number one athlete in the country who signed with them today, it's outside the top 15 when this was a class that was the highest rated class in history two years ago. And it wasn't like this is all because Jimbo Fisher was fired and Mike Elko took over. It was already trending downwards with Jimbo Fisher there because at the end of the day, it's still a matter of, am I going to get developed there? Am I going to be utilized to the best of my ability? Yeah, the NIL is nice, but am I going to be able to be in line for the NFL rather than just NIL? And so Mike Elko comes in, he's a decent guy, a blue collar approach, a guy that's going to go there with the, the hopes of, of turning it around from a football standpoint, not just a, let's make it a brand standpoint. So A&M has some work to do because here comes Texas and here comes Oklahoma, two schools that you kind of prided yourself were stuck in the Big 12 while you were in the SEC for the last 10 years. Well, now they're in the same even playing field with you, and they're both coming off much more successful recent years than you are, and they have a history of putting guys in the NFL and Heisman Trophy winners. So Texas A&M's job just got a lot more difficult with Texas and Oklahoma coming into the SEC and Texas A&M realizing that NIL is not the only way you're going to be successful. National recruiting editor for 24-7 Sports, he is Brandon Huffman. Thanks so much, Brandon. Thanks, Huff. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Right now, let's get to four down territory. 
This is Four Down Territory. Going inside the game with former Seahawks and Coug wide receiver Michael Bumpus. First down, Jim Harbaugh's found his offensive coordinator, but do you have any concerns? I got a little bit, right? Okay. Who, is, who is Greg Norman? That's his uh, offensive coordinator. He was a coordinator in San Francisco from 2011 to 14. There's a connection there with Jim Harbaugh. He was offensive coordinator for the Bills 2015 through 16 and the Ravens 2019 through 22. You look at their off his offense with the San Francisco 49ers. Overall offense, the highest they got was number 20. With the Bills, the highest they got was number 13. And with the Ravens, the highest they got was number two. Why is Jim Harbaugh excited to go to Los Angeles and coach the Chargers? Who's the main reason why? Justin Herbert. It's Justin Herbert, right? Justin Herbert, by far, is one of the more physically talented quarterbacks in this league. Now, the reason why I have a little bit of concern, and I just, I'm interested to see what Greg Norman does with this offense, is because when it comes to throwing the football, when it comes to throwing the rock, he's never had a top 10 offense throwing the football. When he was with San Francisco, 29th, 23rd, 30th, and 30th. When he was with the Bills, 25th and 30th. When he was with the Ravens, 27th, 23rd, and 13th. 13th is the best that they've gotten over there, and that was with Lamar Jackson. But what does he do well? He creates a great run game. When he was with the San Francisco 49ers, the highest they got was third. When he was with the Bills, when it comes to running the football, the highest they got was first. And with the Ravens, they were first, first, and third. So maybe you're working inside out instead of outside in. You're saying, look, I'm going to bring my guy over who understands how to run the football, how to create these lanes and these matchups so we can get it done. That leads me to believe you're either going to draft another running back or you got to sign Austin Eckler to a bigger deal. They'll probably draft the guy because you know how they do running backs dirty in this league. They sure do. Right? Do them dirty. So I'm looking at this and I go, okay, there's concerns when it comes to throwing the football, but I believe you can get the right passing game coordinator, uh, a quarterback guy over there to help out in that situation. And Greg Norman is an OG. He's been around a long time. I'm sure he's learned. He's had Kaepernick, Tyrod Taylor, and Lamar Jackson. Neither of those guys, any of those guys are pass heavy type of dudes. If anybody is Tyrod Taylor yeah. and he's a he's a guy who's kind of going to hang around the league for a while and be a transition guy. So, no, it, it's all good. I understand why Greg Norman is a guy over there. You got to hire guys you're familiar with. The only concern I have is how are they going to open up the pass game for Justin Herbert? I'm sure they'll hire somebody to help. Second down. Talk college ball. How's the transfer portal going to make coaching jobs in the NFL harder to get? Because these college coaches want to go to the NFL now. Yes. They're saying, I don't want to deal with having to fundraise these NIL deals. Recruiting players are different now. We just saw the Boston college head coach go to the Green Bay Packers and accept a coordinator job. Okay. Now, why are they doing this? Because it's a different dynamic with these guys. You don't have the same control you used to. A lot of these guys are going to be one and done, and they're going to go. There's something called a Power Five, right? Mm -hmm. It is now the Power Four conferences. It's really the Power Two conferences. Yep. It's the Big Ten, and it's the SEC. When it comes to NIL deals, top ten, Tennessee, Texas A&M, Oregon, Texas, Miami, FSU, USC, Arkansas, Ole Miss, and West Virginia. That was crazy. I didn't expect West Virginia to be there. Five of the top NIL schools are in the SEC. Two of them are in the Big Ten. So what you're saying is you gotta you're gonna recruit a kid, you're gonna develop him, and if he has one good year, he's gonna go to one of those schools because of this NIL deal. So now these coaches are saying, look, I don't wanna deal with that. I don't wanna deal with it. I just wanna go to the NFL and just coach football. I don't have to deal with fundraising and all that nonsense. That's going to make coaching in the NFL um, a tough job to get because a lot of qualified guys like head coaches from Boston College are going to take a lesser role in the NFL because they don't have to deal with all that other stuff. Third down. What should fans realize they're watching when the Chiefs and Niners face off on Sunday? 
you might be watching the greatest tight end matchup of all time. I went through NFL history and, uh, and tight ends matchup in the Super Bowl, and you're not going to see this again unless these guys link up again or maybe you'll uh, – uh, maybe years from now you'll see this. But Travis Kelsey is fourth all time when it comes to tight end and yards. You got Kittle who has 6,274 yards. He's averaging about 896 a year. If he can put together four more seasons, that would put him like in the top five when it comes to tight ends. You're watching the two best tight ends I see with my own eyes. Big ups to Tony Gonzalez. Mm-hmm. Big ups to Antonio Gates. Um, big ups to Jason Witten. But these guys just move differently, right? They're good in the block game. They can stretch the, the the ball down the field. They're also good with the run after catch. Kittle more than Kelsey. Kelsey's more of a sit-in-the-zone type of guy. But when you're watching this, man, uh, just realize what you're seeing. You're going to see two tight ends, and I think tight ends are the key to a lot of stuff when it comes to offenses, right? They're, they're big in the run game, and they're big in the pass game, and they influence linebackers and safety to do things that they're not supposed to be doing because of their keys so when these guys line up on sunday man take a look to appreciate or take time to appreciate what travis kelsey and george kittle have done to the game you got guys like sam laporta who are going to be explosive the next these next few years you got that kid likely in baltimore the tight end position is on the come up man so uh watch the tight ends appreciate what you're seeing fourth down interested in this one here would you want the seahawks to interview rex ryan now Rex Ryan, someone says uh, no Gronk. I'm talking about tight end matchups, not just one tight end. Gronk is amazing. Um, I still think these Kittle moves differently than Gronk, though. Um, yeah. But what I want to hire Rex, man, I'm looking at this, and uh, Rex is a, a great defensive mind. I love watching him when he's on ESPN or whatnot. I think you interview as many people as possible, whether it's Rex Ryan, whether it's Ron Rivera, whether he's old, whether they're young. It don't matter, right? You interview everybody, and I want them to interview people that are different, from the old to the young to the 3-4 the to the 4-3. The I mean, the more you know, the better. And you can learn some things from a guy like Rex Ryan. Yeah. Even if the personality doesn't match up perfectly or you don't believe in his philosophy, a guy like Rex Ryan is going to drop some nuggets and make you think about some things. A guy like Ron Rivera is going to do the th- same thing. A guy like Mike Vrabel will do the same thing as well. You can almost bring these guys in with really no intent to hire them, and you might get blown away by one of these guys and say, you know what, I want him on my staff. The main thing is they have to be willing to support Mike McDonald. They have to be able to take the back seat and let the young man get in front of the team and operate without him feeling like, you know, he's being judged by the guy who's been in the league 10 or 15 years. So, you know what, um, yeah, I would I would interview him. Sit him down, see what's going on, ask the right questions, and determine if you want him here or not, or even if he wants to be here or not, right? He has to make a decision yeah. as well. He's got a heck of a gig with ESPN right now. So, uh, so yeah, man, I, I would definitely sit down with Rex Ryan and just pick his brain and see what he thinks. Do you think people are ever unfairly turned off by previous failure? Oh, for sure. We know that. For yeah. fact. Text lines yeah. tell us all the time. Why would you hire him? He failed. I mean, it could Everyone be anyway. Fails. It could be a coach. I mean, when I mentioned yeah. Justin Fields and... and, and um, no disrespect to this listener for texting it in because it was a completely fair question, but uh, listener was like, why would I want another team's failed project? Right. Like, I want to draft my own, which, totally fair point, but I I do think there's like a a diamond in the rough that we respect when it comes to late draft picks, and then maybe one that we can find when it comes to giving guys second or third chances with mm-hmm. other teams, including yeah. coaches. Yeah, give him a second chance. I mean, Rex Ryan was last in the league. He was a head coach. He comes back as a D coordinator. It's not like these guys are having massive failures, sitting at home for five or six years, and then they're coming back demanding the keys to the whip. It don't work that way. Also, let me reiterate. Greatest tight end matchup. I know Gronk is one of the greatest tight ends of all time. I'm talking the greatest tight end matchup. Kittle, Kelsey, 
watch it, love it. Yeah, listening, not always a strong suit. <laughs> When if you already are, if you're already ready to be like the best tight end, what? It doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't matter. You're listening to Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. This year's Mariners roster feeling more complete than ever. Let's find out what Jeff Passan thinks about it next. Bump and Stacy, powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios on Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Rost. The Mariners have made several moves this offseason, bringing back Mitch Haniger, adding Polanco and Garver. Meanwhile, they've moved on from Teo Suarez and Kelnick, among others, of course. Jeff Passan of ESPN was on with Brock and Sock this morning and was asked what he thinks uh, about this year's Mariners team compared to last. Yeah, I think 24 is better than 23 was. But it's very easy to say that, not just before the games start, but before I know starting pitching health. That that's the, the, this whole thing hinges on the Mariners starting pitcher staying healthy, and they have managed to the last couple of years. Um, that's not the sort of thing that tends to be the case long term. And so I listen. I hope every one of them stays healthy. I hope they go out and make the postseason. And I hope they bring Seattle what in the damn near fifty years we've seen baseball there they they haven't gotten at this point, um, but. On paper, I like this team better than last year's. Last year's opening day roster. Uh, Cal was your starting catcher. You also have Murphy and Cooper Hummel. Ty France, Colton Wong, J.P. Crawford, Gino Suarez, Teoscar Hernandez, Julio Rodriguez, Jared Kelnick, and A.J. Pollock in the outfield. Uh, and then you had Tommy LaStella as well as Sam Haggerty on the bench. Do you – I'm going to ignore the starting pitchers, which many of whom outside of Robbie Ray, obviously largely the same. Right. And Marco, of course. Um, but your top pitchers are still there with Luis Castillo, George Kirby, Logan Gilbert. Do you think that this roster right now on paper is better than opening day 2023? No disrespect to my fellow island boy in Wong, because I was born in Hawaii. I don't know if y'all know that. I don't claim it because I don't remember it. But I was born there. Wong didn't get it done. And no one was uh, really excited about Wong except one of my boys who um, grew up a St. Louis Cardinals fan. That's where Wong came from. He was like, Bump, you watch this defensively. He's going to be great. The bat's going to be good. Didn't work out. A.J. Pollock. No one was really excited about Mm -hmm. that pick neither, right? 35-year-old guy. um, Didn't wow you. With those two guys gone and with the addition of Polanco and Luke, I'm good. Yeah, completely just, to, just take those really. two away yeah. and add the two, then we're good. Yeah. This lineup is better than last year. I actually completely agree with you. But what about not spending, right? That is the big complaint. No one's looking at, uh, at Garver, Polanco, Rayleigh and going, I don't like those guys. I mean, maybe some people. But for the most part, people are just saying, I wanted more. Mm-hmm. When I heard a trade with the Rays, I was hoping it was a Rosarena, right? Like people yeah. saying, like, I wanted bigger names. Jeff Passan also had to respond about that. You can look at ownership and say the, the most talented player we've ever seen is a free agent and – we didn't even bother making a perfunctory offer to him. And you can say that incredible uh, hitter, one of the best of his generation, was available in a trade. And we really didn't go after him because of the finances. And, and you can be angry about that because it is reasonable and rational and understandable. But if we're just looking in the vacuum that the Mariners had X amount of dollars and they needed to construct a roster within that framework, I think they've done a pretty good job. No, you're nodding because this is the take that you had earlier today. They they did a good job. You got to work with your budget. 
right? Last year, I was in, in the market for a truck. You know what, Stacy? I drove that new at the time, 2024 Silverado with all the gadgets in it. I go, ooh, this is nice. And then I looked at what it's going to cost monthly. I go, yeah, can we afford it? Yeah, but what does it do to other aspects of the home? Because my wife needs to get a car, too. So I go, no, I'll go with the older one to, to leave some wiggle room so we can do some other things. That is essentially what the Mariners did. So, okay, we can go all in for a name and put it out there that we're competing for uh, Shohei Otani or Yamamoto or mm. all those names that are out there, mm. Bellinger, who I think is still out there. But what are we going to be able to do after that? Because this team is going to need more than just that big name. Would the big name uh, be great? For sure. And even understanding the budget that DePoto was working with, I was still like, man, go get the big name because yeah. sometimes I like the shiny things. But he took a different approach, and it was probably the right approach. Now, because he didn't go for that big name, you were able to, to dump some uh, some salary and then pick up four or five guys in the meantime and make this opening day roster a lot more better than it was last year. So it wasn't the attractive, the fun, the sexy way to go about things. But when you look at the financial situation that was put on them, now they're, they could spend more, but ownership determines all that. The Polo's looking at his budget and saying, all right, I'm not going to get the new Silverado. I'll mm-hmm. go a bit cheaper and or, or older, and now we're able to, to make a few more moves in the in the Bumpus household. From the 509, a grumpy 509 says, here comes the gaslighting about how this year's better than last year's M's. Must be February. It is February. It is. Uh, but also, I don't think it's gaslighting. I think that... Um, Tell me it's you, not. Well, tell, also, follow me, tell me how this, this, this lineup is not better than last year's right yeah, now. I don't understand. Yeah, also... Um, you and I have been very critical about the Mariners not being willing to spend more and really cutting back on payroll in a time when you should be going for it. I think that we're separating two different things, which is what we think the Mariners should be doing, which is being much more aggressive and what Jerry DePoto and Justin Hollander did with what they were given, which is we thought a lot given that they had essentially 5 million in roster flexibility. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And 5 million different for sure. And that, that ain't much. And you and I sat here and we criticized the Wong pick. We criticized the AJ pick. Yeah. Um, so you might be referring to a different show because um, I, I don't think we went that route. But, um, yeah, you, you look at what these guys have done, ha- have done, and they did. And we were talking to Gary Hill today, and you did this with keeping your young arms. Like, that's the foundation of this team, man. That's the foundation of the team. Like it, it starts with the pitching, and then every, everything else falls in place after that. It goes pitching, Julio, Cal, JP, and the new additions, and let's see how that works out. But um, I think if, if you just lined up staff for stat last year's lineup compared to this year's lineup, um, I think the edge will go here. And also, you got to think of the decline that we were seeing out of Gino. And I love Gino, man. I, I love him. I love what he brought to the team. But there are some things that were happening that um, – that were were kind of foreshadowing what could happen. Mm-hmm. But and that's the risk. Right? As owners, you have to project what players are going to do and try to get in front of things. I think that they looked at the Geno situation, even though we loved, loved Geno, and said, look, man, he's slowing down. He's showing up out of shape. Uh, we could go younger there and, and get more production out of a guy. So, yeah. you know, that's uh, that's the gamble. Did they get this thing right? We don't know yet. We'll see. Uh, but that's part of sports. You have to gamble and try to project some And things. I think they're still playing roughly the same game that they were last year and the year prior, which is uh, we're, we've got a little bit of a hope and a prayer. Along with a roster we built, there's a hope and a prayer that everyone stays healthy, that the people we think are good uh, continue to advance, that you don't have major injury for Julio or Cal, uh, where you're getting a lot of your power from. Um, 
is that how I would build my dream World Series team? No. No. Uh, I think there's a lot to like. I obviously like the arms that they have. I would have loved um, a little more aggressive team building uh, in the last two off seasons, but it is what it is. And I do like the pieces they added with what they had to spend. I think that what the Mariners need to look at now is the reality of their situation, hoping they stay healthy, that that's going to be a huge part of it. And, yeah, counting on a lot of things to go right and break their way. That's the thing. If there's anything that concerns me more than a little bit, it's just the health. Almost everybody that you picked up is dealing with something, but that's also athletics. You're going to deal with some type of injury. What do we have? Julio had a wrist thing going on, maybe a back yeah, thing both. going on as well. Um, obviously, Cal being a catcher, you're going to have a whole bunch of things going on there. But that's just part of the deal. With with, uh, with Santos, you got the the elbow. All right, I understand all the concerns, right? With Garver and, and Hanniger, you got some deals. Yeah, I get it. And they're going to be concerns, but that's part of sports. Getting lucky. Can you stay healthy throughout the season? We shall see. Yeah. Uh, 206, best roster we've had in years. Should be favorites for the AL West. I'm still taking Houston, uh, but uh, I will say uh, that um, uh, Fangraphs had their projections out, and they had Seattle as the second best odds to win the AL West. Mm -hmm. Now, again, we've got plenty of question marks about that, but yeah, guys, the season hasn't been played. You can only play it on paper. You can only play with projections right now. And right now, the Mariners, on paper, project to be a little bit better than they were last year. Yeah, they do. Project. Keyword. Project. Yeah. We shall see. Just get off. Don't get off to the slow start from last oh my, year. I Just can't. give us some, please. I cannot. You know what else I hate, too, <laughs> is I hate wanting to complain in August that a team isn't doing enough and having someone fairly but annoyingly say well wait a minute maybe they'll get hot maybe it'll be a hot month and i want to respond and go it's after the all-star break you should know who you are you're over 100 games into the season right. you know what i mean uh -huh. like you should know who you are and what you want to be you should have your eyes set ahead like the trade deadline has already passed this is when you're allowed to complain about your team yeah or yeah. cheer for your team, whatever you want to do. And I, I hate it when, like, that, that whole thing of, like, well, wait till they turn it on. Like, I don't want too little too late. I just want a little. You don't got to turn it all the way on. Just turn the faucet on it and, and, and get it leaking a little bit. You know what I mean? Let, let's see something happening. I do not. I cannot sit there and watch the slowest start no, again. That please, no. is going to hurt my soul. <laughs> three, three, six, oh, at least we have a DH. Never. Facts. Never again do I want to see last year's approach You don't want to platoon the DH spot? I do not. What? <laughs> Not even a little bit. You're listening to Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Get your questions into what I need to know, 866-979-3776. Any and all questions, text them right now, 866-979-3776. That's next. Bump and Stacy, Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On Seattle Sports Station. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Send your questions now. Any question you have, sports, non-sports, it doesn't matter. Whatever it is, top of mind, send it to us. Text it to the Mac and Jack's text line. That number, 866-979-3776. Why do you slow it down like that? Because sometimes people don't have it. 866-979-3776. That's it. That's it also. It's what I need to know. <laughs> Brought to you by All Red Heating, Cooling Electric. A tiny bit of news while we were in the break. Nick Saban signing with ESPN to be part of College Game Day. Perfect. Great move. Great analysis. He's going to keep him 100. And I think we're going to see a bit more of his personality. I think he is funny. I think it's deep down inside. And I think 
ESPN is going to bring it out of them. Yeah. Good for you, Nick Saban. I'm here for it. What I need to know from the 509, what does the Leslie Frazier hire mean when the Seahawks are interviewing Aiden uh, Drood for defensive coordinator? I thought Frazier took the defensive coordinator position. It means that uh, Frazier is just Mike McDonald's right-hand man. Right. They're going to brainstorm ideas. And you heard it's it's all part of like planning for the future, because now we understand that they're looking to hire D coordinator, somebody to take over once Mike McDonald is done. Hopefully it's after two seasons. You got a guy there. Frazier is like the consultant of the group. Honestly, that's the way I see it, at least. 206. What do you have in your car right now to help you fight off a coyote? This probably inspired yesterday by a report that has been not confirmed and not quite denied, kind of like a non-issue by a Las Vegas PD, mm-hmm. that a player in the Super Bowl was attacked by a coyote. Just a rumor. Well, a fun one. Your boy's got that concealed uh, permit. Oh, so you got that. You got, got that, that thing. thing. Got okay. that thing. I have hairspray, That'll so you know. It. You know what I mean. I. Uh, it, it's, you can never have enough. First of all, uh, apologies to the ozone, and also you never know when you can use it as a weapon. You know what I mean? Hey, um, this one from the 213, a.k.a. my mom. <laughs> uh, why didn't Stacy go to WSU is the I, question. I didn't apply to Wazoo. Wow. So when I applied to Too colleges. Good for us. Yeah. No, good for no, 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 no. <laughs> because I got into UW. When I applied to colleges, I my parents didn't go to college, and I wanted to go to college, but I didn't think to apply to a ton. Mm-hmm. So my high school did a great thing, which was uh, they required students to apply and they would help you get waivers for application fees to three colleges. That was like your homework assignment to apply to three colleges. So those were the only three colleges I applied to. Which ones? Uh, Western, Hawaii, Pacific, and UW. And I got into all three. You, did, you didn't go to Hawaii? I didn't. I know. I mean, obviously you didn't go to I Hawaii. I thought about it. I seriously considered it. How close were you? Re- pretty close because I got into UW last. I heard back last. Um, but yeah, I, I only applied to those three and I applied to UW because my favorite teacher went to UW mm-hmm. and then I ended up going there. Right, so you teachers, you make a difference. Teachers, yeah. we appreciate you. Uh, what I need to know, <laughs> Stacy's saying, got that thing on me, made my day. <laughs> Uh, let's see. How did we let the Reds sign 18-year-old Ichiro Kano Hernandez? Right. Good question. It's 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 just wrong. We really messed He's up. It's meant to be here. You know what? There's still time. There's Someone, still time. <laughs> Someone said, what's the number to text again? And I almost said it. <laughs> <laughs> they texted it in. Oh, you almost got me. You almost got me. Uh, what I need to know. Would you love to see the Hawks get a chance at Jaden Daniels? Seems like McDonald would love the opportunity at Lamar 2.0. Speed is a great way to neutralize a 49ers defensive front. Yeah, I would love it, but it ain't going down. Jane ain't hanging around until pick number 16. There's teams in front of these guys. Uh, He's been mocked to go to the New England Patriots. I've seen several times. It ain't going to get to 16. If he is there at 16, yeah, you go ahead and take it. What I need to know, why do Wymie and Bobo's new pictures look like they're two-headed twins? I didn't notice that. Who? Wyman and Bob. They look like two headed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I haven't. I haven't noticed that. Uh, I gotta go look at it. I didn't think that wasn't my first thought when I saw it. But but now that's probably all I'm gonna see. Uh, what I need to know: if you could watch any sporting event in any time period for free, what would it be? Any sporting event from any time period for free. And I can still be this age. I'm going back to the early 2000s and watching my Lakers win back to back to back. Yeah, that's that's a fair answer. Uh, what I need to know, Bump, what would be your dream coaching job? Dream coaching job? Uh, receivers for the Seahawks. 
That'd be fun. Or, or, or OC. I mean, as we know, Chuck Davis, a.k.a. Charles Davis, did say that you know more about wide receivers than anyone. Yeah. Which it all depends on who you ask, I guess. I mean, it, he didn't ask me any questions about receivers. <laughs> so Because I mean, he, he knew that you're all about the quarterback. Exactly. He yeah. knew no one knows more about quarterbacks than me. Uh, what I need to know, Tyler Huntley, any interest? Uh, who was that, QB from Baltimore uh, who made the Pro Bowl? for playing like a few games. Is that who we're talking about? Mm -hmm. Tyler Huntley? Um, yeah, sure. For, as a backup? As a backup, backup. Yeah. As, I think it's like a third alternate. Yeah. He made it though. It's yeah, on his resume. And he won something. Yeah. Like a, he came up like second in precision passing. He did uh -huh. something where I was like, good for you, Tyler. Yeah, way to take advantage of the situation. Yeah. Um, let's see uh, what I need to know. Uh I turned 40 on the 22nd. Happy early birthday. I threw my back out putting on a shoe two weeks ago. It's just now starting <laughs> to feel better. Any advice on something to binge watch? Any fun ideas to celebrate getting over the hill? Oh, man. I don't know if you can binge watch this yet because it's just appear uh, or premiering today. Uh, like Abbott Elementary School, I think it's called, is a really good one. Um, there's a show called Pin 15 on Hulu, which I love. Oh, it's really funny. Yeah. And if you're... Anywhere between the ages of 30 and 43, it's, it's you'll think it's hilarious. Childhood. It's yeah. middle school. <laughs> it was, like it's an older awesome. millenn millennial slash older millennial, yeah. you'll think it's really funny. Mm -hmm. uh, the Mac and Jack's text line has your back. They have sent in uh, a couple suggestions. Sopranos yep. being one of them. Yep, that's a good one. I've never seen The Sopranos. My wife just started watching uh, How I Met Your Mother. It's cute. Apparently there's like nine, ten seasons. And uh, it's, it's, I've never, I've heard of it, never watched it. It's funnier than what I thought it was going to be. I uh, enjoyed True Detective season one. I did like three. Four is interesting. Yeah. I'm working my way through how I feel about it. But True Detective season one, if you haven't seen it, is fantastic. Matt, do you have suggestions? This is if you like, uh, Matt likes like comic things. I have terrible taste in television. No, you don't. You actually have. Uh, really popular taste in television, which I think you hate. I don't know if that's true. Uh, Echo just came out on Disney Plus Marvel series. Really, really good. That would be what I recommend. I bet it's going to be Only one of like, the episodes. most watched things. Yeah. Oh, Shit's Creek. Yeah, that's the a good show. one too. Really good one. Okay, uh, what? Uh, someone said Suits. Um, Twice. Yeah, someone called my UW thing a sob story. Is it? It's not a sob story. It sounds, uh, I feel absolutely sounds like fine. you overcame and... Well, I didn't overcome. You know, first first just one to go to college? Like, that's, that's it's not a soft story. just what happened. I just applied there and I got in and I went there. It's an achievement. <laughs> this person's cranky. Uh, let's see. Uh, we have a couple that I might save for tomorrow. Sometimes people send in stuff for what I need to know, and it's such a good segment idea, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, stuff about Pete Carroll's legacy or, like this one, what kind of team makeup would we have if we did have Chip Kelly as OC? Legacy is a weird word to me. I say legacy, leg. I say leg. Le legacy. Like it's weird. It's weird. I know. I'm just getting, I'm getting off the rails here. <laughs> All right. That'll do it for us today. Wyman and Bob coming up next. Don't go anywhere.